There's a lot of great things happening at Tennessee Athletics. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Everything Orange podcast. You guys, I'm going to try my best to get through this as calm, cool, and collected as possible, but our guest today is incredible. And she is one of the most decorated female basketball athletes to ever put on a uniform. While at Tennessee, she became the first woman to dunk in an NCAA tournament and brought home back-to-back national championship titles in 2007 and 2008. As the first pick in the 2008 WNBA draft, she went on to have a successful professional career, being named WNBA Rookie of the Year, WNBA Finals MVP, as well as winning two gold medals for Team USA and three WNBA championship titles. And she's not even done playing yet. Off the court, she's a mother, a wife, a broadcaster, and an inspiring role model for young women everywhere, including myself. So please, please, please welcome to the Everything Orange podcast, Candace Parker. I just have to say, I have been counting down the days for this podcast episode. I am so grateful and so excited to be able to talk with you today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's great being home. So. so I want to start out first with the most recent news when it comes to all things that you've been doing, which is your documentary, <laughs> Unapologetic. It launched November 2023. I want to give a background summary for those who might not have seen it. A wide-ranging, revealing, and at times intimate documentary that covers your journey through basketball and life from the weighty expectations that have surrounded your potential since you were a young teenager through redefining what it means to be a women's sports star in the 21st century and where you might go from there. So where did the name for the documentary come from and why did you want to do this now? It's so um, interesting, I think, that especially as a woman, women's athlete, you have to be in so many different lanes. And um, I look at it like a, as a privilege to be able to play the sport I love. And so as a mom, as a wife, as a businesswoman, as an athlete, and I think in all those lanes, the one thing I try to do constantly is to, you know, be authentic and be unapologetic. You know, you do what you can, you do things to the best of your ability, you work hard at it, and then you just live with the results. And so that's kind of how the name came about is there's a part in the film where I just said, yes. you know, I want to do so and I'm, I'm going to be me and I'm going to be unapologetic about it. So that's how the name came to be. So before going into it, what did was it no name doc and then that moment happened and it was like a light a light yeah, switch came on and light. you guys were like we have to name it this yeah it was supposed to originally be just Candace Parker okay um but then that was kind of a point in the film that was yeah. super important um and pivotal in my journey I feel like and so actually it was ESPN <laughs> was like let's just name it unapologetic and, and it I, just felt right I liked it yeah. yeah and why now why have this documentary come out now I think I was at a point in my life where um, there were a lot of like full circle moments. You know, I came into the league, this young kid that wanted to prove themselves and, you know, did well rookie season, had a child right after that. And then full circle moment, having my son, um, you know, two years ago, 
being a mom is like the most important thing to me. So honestly, selfishly, it was a way to capture a lot of these moments with my family. But also it was just a way to tell my story a little bit, but I, I definitely wanted to do it to help others understand that although we're professional athletes, we go through a lot of the same struggles, doubts, like, but I'm a big believer in being vulnerable and being unapologetic and facing those things head on. So that's why I thought it was important. Yeah, and to your point, I love that it was still now when you have all of these careers overlapping each other because we get to see you in the moment doing them and, and having these moments in real time rather than reflecting on all of them in the past, which I thought was really unique. Exactly. I think it was cool because there were some verite moments where it was like I was taking my daughter to school. She didn't want to go to school. <laughs> you fast forward and now some of the same struggles of balancing, like being a mom and am I giving enough? Like are my kids happy? Um and I think all of that, regardless of what your profession is, I think people go through that. Yes. And so to be able to go through it and to be able to see it and it come to life on camera, I was really proud of the crew. And Joey did an amazing job, our director, um, Joey Jacoby, amazing. Um, just it was such a small, intimate crew right. that captured this so I think it made it that much more special right and like you said I think anybody that watched it can relate to some part of your story in some way some of the things that you've done in life in some way which is beautiful let's transition now to talk a little bit about you're here you're on campus Tennessee home sweet home to you mm -hmm. when you were here during your career at Tennessee you became the first woman to dunk in an NCAA tournament and you brought home back-to-back -back national championship titles in 2007 and 2008 along with those banners too you have your jersey hanging in the rafters in the arena right across the street we remember all these really big moments of your career here but my question is what do you remember about being here I remember the, the wins and the losses. I remember walking into the arena and having 24,000 screaming fans for the Connecticut game. But I remember just the moments around Knoxville. Like I used to have a place that I would go eat at Sawyer's. That was my spot. And I knew everybody in there and I would eat at Cracker Barrel before <laughs> class on Monday and I knew everybody in there. and. Um, Going to classes, I still keep in contact. One of my favorite professors here, Bob Guest, came to my game in Vegas, and I got to see wow. him. So it was really just the relationships that I remember the most. And I remember going over to Coach Summit's house and her fixing her famous jalapeno corn mm. and homemade ice cream. I think those are the memories that I carry with me the most. And being able to come back here, I mean, t I'm telling you, every time I'm driving down Alcoa, it's that same feeling. Yeah. Right. Like there's no doubt that this is this is home and this will always be home. When you hear the Tennessee Lady Volunteers, you think of this legacy in sports history and your time here is a big chapter of that story. How do you perceive the impact that you left on the program here? I think winning is always remembered. Right. Um, but what comes with it may not. And I think my freshman year when I got here, I couldn't play. My knee was messed up, I had to red shirt. And I think the struggles that I went through to get back on the court to play made those banners that much sweeter. You know, all the rehab, all the hours, all the surgeries, um, all the extra shots. Uh, Stokely doesn't exist anymore, but I used to go in Stokely at midnight and get up shots with um, 
one of my best friends, Justine Brown. So it's just, I think it's like I associate all of those memories with those banners. Mm -hmm. So it's not just, you know, national championships that are hanging up there. There's all the faces that were a part of it. I mean, Coach Summit, you can't not think of her when you're on campus. Right. You know, I just feel like it's, she's here, her presence is here and people remember winners, but also people remember winners that made an impact and left an impact. And so we were led by somebody that did that on the daily. So that's, that's what I always remember whenever I walk in TBA. And when you do come back and you are visiting with the current Lady Vol athletes over there, what does it mean to you to be able to make those connections and build those relationships with the current and next generation? I, wa I was them. I, I was a student athlete. I watched as older players came back and talked to us about these are the good old days, these are the best years of your life. Mm -hmm. And when I go into the gym, I find myself wanting to utter those words to them, that this is the place that will support you and love you and want the best for you and push you um, and to be uncomfortable in that. And that's where growth takes place. So I think as an older player, I, call, I we used to call us old heads. <laughs> now the tables have turned and I'm the old head that's coming back. And I try to ask myself, like, what messages got through to me? Sure. And everybody's different, but I know, you know, the way to communicate, especially now, is not like, hey, everything is great. Da, da, da. It's more so listening. Mm -hmm. So I just try to ask questions to them, um, ask them what they want to accomplish and you know, who's helping them or holding them accountable to do the things that they want. When you are here, I mean, all roads just seem to lead right back to Pat Summit, like you mentioned. You can't talk about the Lady Vol legacy, Summit Blue, the women's basketball program without feeling something that connects you to Pat Summit. Why, in your, in your opinion, is it so important to continue sharing her legacy? Coach Summit was so much more than a coach. I think she was a mentor, a teacher, a second mother to so many. And when you're here, you talk about, people throw around impact so much, but impact isn't spoken about, it's felt. And I think everybody here feels the impact that she's left, the legacy that she's left. There are so many times where I find myself being a better wife, better mother, better teacher, better teammate because of her and the accountability and the level that she held herself to mm -hmm. like coach summit didn't ask you to do anything that she wouldn't herself do and I have to ask myself that when I'm a leader of whatever I'm a part of is this something that I would do myself or is this something that I have done um Coach Summit is special, and I think she's synonymous with Tennessee Orange. You can't think of Tennessee without thinking of Coach Summit. And to me, like, that's a legacy. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're changing the way people view themselves and view their importance to a situation, um, like, that's impact. And one thing that you talked about in your documentary in Knoxville was that you hear Knoxville and you think of two things women's basketball or just female sports mm -hmm. and Pat Summit. And all these major cities, sports cities across the country, you have LA, New York, Atlanta, Chicago. Knoxville kind of is holding its own right up there with them because of what this city has done for female athletes and women's sports. 
In thinking about Knoxville, like we just said, what has the city of Knoxville done for you and what it has meant to female sports? You look back at the fact that Tennessee was one of the few schools in the country that had a separate women's athletic department. This being one and Texas being the other. And because of that, women's basketball was able to get more than they probably would have gotten at the time, being so young after Title IX. Um, this was a pioneer, this program. I came to Tennessee, look, my brother, he wanted to be a doctor ever since he was five years old. He went to Johns Hopkins because it was the best and was gonna prepare him to be a doctor. I told my parents, I said, I wanna go to Tennessee because I wanna play basketball. I want to be the best basketball player I can be. And the University of Tennessee, Pat, um, you go down the line, that's what allowed athletes like myself that dream to have the platform to be able to come here and do that. And it starts with the investment. I mean, Tennessee was investing in women's sports for the, for the long haul. And I think it shows. And now it's the cool thing to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now, especially with social media, people are being held accountable for not. But Tennessee was doing it before that. And I think that that's what I'm proud of, is that we had an athletic department that were pioneers in women's sports. Um, and I think it's super cool to be able to wear that across my chest. Women's sports at the college level, yes, but then you talk about the WNBA. And I specifically want to talk about how you were 11 years old when the inaugural season of the WNBA happened. So I want to know, and I have a couple of questions loaded with this, so I'm just going to rattle them off to you okay. all at once. Were those games accessible for you to watch? Were you watching them? And if so, what teams were you following in that first generation of the W? I watched it on, I mean, cable television was the only way to watch it, um, even when I was here, there weren't the numerous streaming opportunities. Mm -hmm. I mean, my parents didn't see all of my Tennessee games while I was here. So I watched the Houston Comets. Those were the team. That was the team that was winning. They won back to back to back to back mm -hmm. championships. <laughs> Cynthia Cooper was one of my favorite players. Tina Thompson knocking it, you know, from from outside from three ball, but. Yeah, and the first game I went to was an Indiana Fever's game. Oh, okay. Yeah, Indiana cool. Fever game. So. Yeah, because I was just curious, you know, like you said, you can stream just about any game now, and there are more women's games, WNBA and college, that are in those primetime slots. But I just didn't know if that was, like, a thing. If they were broadcasted, could you go see them It easily? was more national, national broadcasts. Okay. It okay. wasn't, you know, your local team or anything like that, but – yeah, now it's it's everywhere, yeah. which is really cool. What was that turning point in the growth of the league, in your opinion, to where it's gotten to the point that it is at now? It's so crazy because if you look at the blueprint that Tennessee followed with women's basketball, I mean, you're not going to find a Pat Summit every day walking down the, you know, walking down the street. Mm -hmm. But the investment in women's sports here, um, if you invest, they will come. And so with that being said, now, if you look at where it's at, the streaming, the, you know, the latest with the NCAA tournament now with the women, go down the line, Caitlin Clark being one of the most recognizable faces yeah. in college at the moment. I mean, if you give it an opportunity, 
it's going to mm-hmm. be successful. Last year's game, everybody's going up in arms. Oh, wow, women, we're here. It's like we've always been here. It's just we haven't given, been given the opportunity. Right. And with that being said, you know, it was the first game that was on ABC. The first women's game that was on NBC, and it has a record number of viewers. Well, big like, shock. Yeah, it's a big <laughs> <Come> shocker. <on. laughs> so I think yeah. it's the investment. It's the opportunity. We're still going head-to-head with NFL Sundays, and we're still getting eyeballs, mm-hmm. which is crazy. So something, yeah. So it says a lot about where we're at now, but where we could have been in the past as well. Mm-hmm. And, and during specifically your WNBA career, You've won three championships with three different franchises, and I got a point. She's the only one to have done that also. And lucky for us, you're not done yet because the Aces announced on February 7th that you're coming back. How are you feeling about returning for another season? I'm excited. I think realizing that I have far more basketball behind me than in front of me allows me to like be in the present a little bit more, mm-hmm. whereas I would kind of rush things, and now I'm like really taking my time and – loving the journey and the preparation for the season and taking in the moments of being able to play in, you know, in Barclays Center, play in Minnesota or play at home in Chicago or play back in LA. So I'm really kind of like enjoying it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, basketball has it's been a huge part of my life ever since I can remember. So to be able to play, I never take it for granted. And you mentioned this in your documentary, we know this, the ball will stop bouncing at some point, but for you, you've got other careers and other ambitions that are waiting for you, and one in particular being sports broadcasting. You signed on with Turner Sports to analyze men's college basketball games in 2018 and turn that contract into NBA responsibilities too, making you the first woman featured on TNT's NBA studio programming. You've been a force for women in sports your entire life, and now you're a voice for women in sports and also now men's sports. Did you realize how impactful for women, not just like me in my position, but in sports journalism in general, like how how huge this would be for us to see you do something like this. It means a great deal to hear this from you. Um, Because I think sometimes when you're going along and, you know, I just love basketball. I just love sports. And there were a million of me's before. It's just they didn't have the opportunity. So I guess I'm grateful for, like, the Robin Roberts that opened up the door Mm -hmm. um, for me to be able to talk about sports and I'm not satisfied with just one. Like, I want it to be multiple because I think that's where you're getting not just diversity, but diversity of thought and seeing the game from a different perspective. And I think our audiences, it represents that. There are millions out there that may watch sports if a different voice is the one that's talking about it or a different viewpoint is the one that's communicating it. And so I think now companies, organizations, they're seeing the value in that. And I hope at some point we're not sitting here talking about a woman, you know, talking about sports. I hope we're talking about just a commentator. And I think the thing that motivated me to want to be at that desk was I enjoy basketball. I'm obsessed with basketball. I eat, sleep, and breathe basketball. And I think it's the second best job ever, second to playing. Mm -hmm. You know, like you're going to, pay me to talk about basketball and I would talk about basketball for free Uh don't tell Turner that (laughs) but um I just really enjoy it and it's something that I 
I mean, I look to my left and it's like Shaq was on my wall growing up. I look to my right. Yeah. Who didn't try to imitate Vince Carter sticking his arm in the rim? And it's a dream come true to be able to work with teammates like that and talk about basketball. One of my favorite quotes when you accepted the position was that I'm not trying to be one of the guys. I'm Candace and I'm going to show up as Candace and I'm a player talking about the game. So to your point, I just love that it wasn't about being one of the guys or even being a woman for that matter. It was just about being you. Thank and, you. And providing that. Uh, what I want to know are the differences between playing ball and talking ball because even like you do talk it with your teammates with your coaches with the staff but what's the di what was the hardest or the biggest difference that you noticed and then having to translate that for an audience I have a lot more respect for coaches because it really is like teaching people about the game from your viewpoint um, from your point of view and the difference is, is when you're playing it information is being fed to you. Obviously you process it and you communicate with your teammates and things like that. But when you're on a studio show, there's nothing I love more than breaking down film and explaining what you see in a play because what you see in a play might be different from what I see in the play. And then we're able to communicate and talk about it. And then I learn something mm -hmm. in the process. So Kenny Smith says it best. I asked him when I was coming into you know, into broadcasting, I was like, what's, what's the best advice you can give me? And he said, just know when you're speaking to an audience, you're speaking to a grandma, you're speaking to a casual fan, you're speaking to somebody that's just sitting down and never has watched the game, but you're also speaking to the ones that really follow. Yeah. So in your breakdown of film, in your description of whatever on set, make sure somebody from that group is able to take something that you said. Everybody in that group is able to take something you said. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of stuck with me in the way that, you know, I try to break down stuff. You're not like a backdoor cut. You're saying a backdoor cut is where mm -hmm. a person has the ball and there's a, you know, you yes. try to break it down a little bit farther. Let's talk a little bit about your family because as much as you're committed to the game, you are so committed to your family. And there's so many exciting and beautiful and wonderful things that have been happening with your family. You just got married to your wife recently, but also recently announced it. You're expecting your second kid with her very, very soon. How, how is family life? How, how's everybody doing and how are things? Well, we've got a teenager and a toddler and a baby on the way. <laughs> so it's, it's a little chaotic, but it's, it's chaos and love. Like we are just, I'm just, I love being at home with them. My daughter is growing into who she is right now. Mm -hmm. And it's so special to be along for that journey. You know, I don't know anything cause I'm mom. Like I, I don't know anything. So she's, she knows everything right <laughs> at this point in time. No, I'm just kidding. But it's just fun to see her develop into who she is. And then I almost melt every time she's with her brother because their relationship is just like sibling rivalry at its finest. Like he just likes getting under her skin mm -hmm. and she loves getting under his. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just really enjoy being at home and I take to school in the morning and pick up and take mm -hmm. to sports and... I'm grateful because we do make it a priority to spend time. I think that's the biggest thing, the most respect I had for Coach Summit was she always went home and cooked for her family when she could and had dinner at the table with her family when she could. And I think that's been a priority of mine as a working mother to be able to like 
schedule out that time because I think we schedule everything else out, mm-hmm. right? You have a meeting, you have sideline, you have press conference, you all that, all that right? It's in our schedule. Mm-hmm. But like, what about the real priority? And so I've made a concerted effort to like schedule out, okay, I pick her up from school. These are the days that I'm doing that. Because it's easy if it's not in your schedule, then you just, you book something in its place. Right. So I've really made a priority of doing that and really enjoying my time because boy, it's crazy. She's 14 years old. Uh, you think in four years, you know, she'll be, she'll be in college. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite mom duty that you have? Is it the pickups? Is it cooking? What is it for you? My favorite mom duty, it's different with, with both of my kids. So my son is nighttime because I put on a whole show with all <laughs> stuffed animals and he thinks it's the funny, he thinks I'm the funniest person. As he should. And I'm not, <laughs> but to him I am. So it just makes my day. He wants to read 9 million books at night and I do all the voices. He has a giraffe in his, you know, in his nursery and a duck. And so I go through and do the whole routine. They sing songs and all that stuff. And he loves it. Um, for my daughter, it's definitely picking up from school. Okay. Cause I get all like the tea and of I get course. it like the fresh, like what happened uh-huh. as opposed to when she's at home, you're like, Hey, how was school? It was good. Fine. Yeah. Goes back to texting. Exactly. <laughs> so I love the, the pickup from school is probably my favorite. And we have our little, you know, on Fridays we go to, we go to Chick-fil-A for breakfast in the morning and we're able to sit and talk and, and chill and I'm catch up on her week and things like that. So we have our time, but those are probably the two moments I would say that I enjoy the most with my kids. And how's your wife feeling? How's pregnancy been for her? <sighs> it's crazy with this one. Cause you know, I tell everybody, I'm like, we're man to man at this, at this point. Like she takes him, I take her, we switch it's man to man. This third one's about to be zone coverage yep. for sure. <laughs> so we're enjoying the two for now. Mm-hmm. We're not rushing. Mm-hmm. Um, she's feeling great, looking great, still working out yoga. She's, Amazing. she's superwoman. I wanted to, to mention that, that Instagram post, the caption was Thank the you. best Thank you. crafted I have ever seen. <laughs> and if I have three kids, maybe one day I will take some notes on well, how, you how so you much. announced it. No, I just hope he likes basketball. That's what, I, that's what I hope. So with your kids and with saying all of that, your name, your numbers, your stats are forever written across women's basketball. But what is the most important thing that you want your kids to know about Candace Parker? I hope that the teams that I was on, I made others better. I think that's why I was so proud of assists, like as a big, to be in the same mention as guards with assists, because bigs, you usually throw them the ball and their job is to score. But sometimes when you're getting doubled, it's about making others better. Mm -hmm. And um, so I hope my kids past the stats, past all that. I hope the teams that I was on that I made one through 12 or one through 15 better. I want to talk about a couple of different endeavors that you've also done outside of basketball a little bit because they're so cool and there's also so many. So I had to narrow it down the list because we don't have that much time with you. So we got to get to the point. You know, as an athlete, the two coolest things that could happen to you are getting your own shoe and getting on the cover of a video game. And both have happened in your career. Let's first talk about the creative outlet that you have and being able to design shoes and clothing. What has that process been like for you? And, and how, how long does it take you to come to those names, those colors, all the background research that goes into every single detail? Comes down to, 
telling stories, I feel like. Um, one of the biggest stories that I always want to tell in my shoe is my foundation, and that foundation is in orange, and that foundation is in Pat. So in all the tongue of my shoe, it says for Pat in all of it. It says in, in, in orange for Pat. And so in every one of my shoes, there's some piece of orange in that. Um, so just paying homage to Tennessee and my roots. Um, but I think it just comes down to stories, right? Like you look at music and I feel like there's always a story behind those songs. You remember the right. time, the place, you could close your eyes and feel that. And when you're designing shoes, that's what, you know, that's what I try to do in whether it's, you know, the, my reasons that my daughter designed for me, it represents the little mermaid. That's our favorite movie that we watched together. So just in purples, you know, both of our favorite colors, um, you know, you go down the line, just her birthstone, we're big into like zodiac signs and I'm an Aries and she's a Taurus. And so we represent that on the shoe. Um, those are the four Layla shoes. I mean, down the line, it's just about telling stories mm -hmm. and that's what we try to do on shoes. So. Do you have a favorite? I mean, there's so many and there's, well, they're all so uniquely them in their own way, but. I don't know if I have a favorite, but I think the journey um, with my wife and I was super special and we captured that on a shoe. So anytime something happens, I feel like, we were in Russia one time and a ladybug landed. Like anytime there's like yeah. a moment or something and it happens and I have a ladybug tattooed on my wrist, so we made the ladybug edition for shoes. Mm -hmm. And it was super special because she had no idea. So we were able to like make it a surprise. And so I think that's special just because of the journey and because of, you know, ladybug luck represents. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Switching over now to talk about the video game cover. You're the only woman to be in the cover of the NBA 2K and it was the 22 one in particular. What was it like being able to go in and have all those, I mean, it was like 60, 80 cameras around you crafting your facial expressions, all your movements. Like what was, what was that like for you? The kid Candace was just going crazy because <laughs> I grew up, well one, I grew up with a, with a controller that wasn't plugged in because I had two older brothers and so they would just act like I was playing the video games oh. with them. <laughs> but just to be able to then be on a video game and dream of that and then to be there to help see how it's created um, and to to get it right for women, I think is a constant battle of not just being okay with these movements or cutting back on this or whatever, like, no, let's get it right. Mm -hmm. And it's still, still not perfect and we're still getting there. But to be, you know, in that first iteration of the WNBA being in NBA 2K, super yeah. cool, super special. Yeah, and that you said, you know, there's so many firsts and that's great, but I don't want to be the only, which mm -hmm. was like, oh, wow, light bulb moment. Um, for you, too, in, in saying all of that, do you play with yourself? Do you play against yourself? What are your thoughts there? So it's so funny because Layla, she'll play, like she kicks my butt in NBA 2K, <laughs> but the person that wins gets to pick who they play with, so I don't ever get to really play with myself because she always picks mom. Oh, wait, I love that though. That's so special. <laughs> it's so special, but she keeps beating me, so I'm yeah, mad. Yeah, so you're like, it's kind of rude. Yeah, like, I'm like, can I, just, can I just pick me one time? Right, it's all those years she, you crossed her up when she was exactly, a kid. Exactly, and, and blocked her, her shot. Yeah, you're yeah. Right. she had to get you back you're at some right. point. It's just honest. now. <laughs> so another quick question I have for you, Candice. When you're not playing basketball, when you're not working out, like what what are you doing? What is a day like for you with Sleeping, your family? Sleeping, no. <laughs> Resting. Um, <laughs> 
I love walking my dogs. I love hiking. Um, I'm a big beach person. So I play beach volleyball a lot. Fun. Um, big into sand dunes. So I do my little sand dune workout and then take a book and read it at the top of the sand dunes overlooking oh, the nice. water. Yes. I'm such a Cali girl now. <laughs> um, I love to read. What, what are you reading right now? I have so to So right now, mm -hmm. I'm actually in between books. So I'm actually reading this new, I'm like, okay. So I switched from scientific, because I'm big into like health and fitness and things like that. So right now, there's this new doctor that is out of, <clears throat> excuse me, Germany, and his name is Dr. Welling. And he's crafted like basically pain management. So it's getting rid of pain through inflammation. And so it's it's so crazy, like proteins and how they extract it and then put it back in and it reduces inflammation, which helps your joints. Wow. So I'm deep into that right now. Okay. Um, but honestly, I think this last year I've read Mindset by Carol Dweck. That was a good one. I've read um, Dr. Martin Luther King's new book that just came out. It's not his book, but it's a writer that wrote about him. And I've read Medgar Evers. So those are my like three books that I've read this year. What would you wreck to anybody listening if they were to hop off this podcast and say, I'm going to go read this because Candace told me to. I would say The Alchemist is like life changing. I read that once a year uh -huh. just because I think your mindset changes. Um, I always joke with Ann, my wife, and I tell her she's like my Fatima, <laughs> my personal <laughs> legend. Um, I would say Mindset by Carol Dweck is unbelievable. I've read okay. that twice already. And while we're in Tennessee, you might as well read Pat Summit's yeah. three books. Yeah. Um, I think Sum It Up is cool because I'm in it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we ask everybody on the podcast this question, Candace, so I'm going to ask it to you as well. When you hear Rocky Top, when you're singing it, even at the game tonight, do you woo? Yes, of course. Okay. Who doesn't woo? You know, Peyton Manning doesn't woo. He doesn't woo? He doesn't woo. I need a story behind this. Who doesn't woo? He said he's so concerned about what's coming next. Woo! You have to woo. It, he said it throws him off. And, you know, we started with him. He was our first podcast episode. And he just goes, no. And we're like, okay. <laughs> he doesn't woo. I'm going to have to. That's yeah. messed circle up. Circle back. Yeah, yeah I'm going to yeah. have to circle back with mm -hmm. that. Can't it's be a Tennessee alum and not woo. I know. I know. So, yeah. yeah. You guys can chat next time. That Definitely going to ask him mm -hmm. about that. Yeah, you should. You should. Uh, to kind of wrap things up, Candice, I want to bring it back to the documentary and a quote that you have in it. You started off the documentary saying, I have way more basketball behind me than in front of me, like we talked about. I know these days are numbered, but when it's all said and done, I feel like I'm so much more than this game and what people have wanted me to be. Finally, I'm in a place where I can just be me. We like your pictures on Instagram. We watch your documentary. We see you play primetime games and we listen to you commentate. So we know of you, but in your own words, who is Candace Parker? Wow, that's a really, really good question. Who is Candace Parker? I think Candace Parker is happy. I don't, I mean, I, I know that doesn't give a description, but I think everything I do from this point on is to be that. Um, and some days, you know, you have to sacrifice, you know, work or time or whatever it is, effort, energy. But I think I'm in constant pursuit of that because once you feel it, it's like you just want it over and over and over again. And so that's hope, what I hope to give off and what I work for every single day is to, to constantly be that. 
my dad always says when he would pick me up from school he'd say did you give it your best today mm -hmm. whatever that looked like and I would always tell him yes and he's like that's all I can ever ask for from you so um well Candace this has been an that's like a deep question <laughs> I know <laughs> that was like I'm like that was amazing I don't Thank think I've you. ever been ask that in that way well, that's amazing and true to your documentary I, I was just like I mean we see what you want us to see we see you on social we see you playing games and what you're talking about but like we don't know you we know of you so it's different for you to say who Candace Parker is than for what you know we all I think I yeah I think I'm present <laughs> I think I'm more present than I've ever been in my life just because you know how sweet life is and how short stuff is and especially being at a university, you realize things are measured in that those times, you know? It's yeah. like four years in high school, four yes. years in college. Okay, how many years in the pros? Mm -hmm. And then it's just like, mm -hmm. so time goes so fast. So being president, working towards happiness, I think is super important. That's all you gotta say with that. But Candace, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, this was an absolute joy and something that if you had told me five, ten years ago that I would be here right now, I would never believed you. And uh, this has just been you. so precious to me and so kind of you to take your you time to do this. So I appreciate it. Unbelievable. <laughs> I do want to say that. You, you are prepared. You are well spoken. You are down to earth. You make it conversational. So keep doing what you're doing because what you're doing is working. And I know I'll be seeing you in the future. <laughs> so no for real. I mean Thank it. You. Like I see your work and I understand how much time and energy your transitions are amazing. So thank you. Yes. I appreciate that. No, for sure. Thank you so, so much, much for having me. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Everything Orange. I promise the smile has not left my face for days. I am forever grateful to have been a part of this podcast episode. As always, be sure to follow us on all of our Vol Sports platforms so you don't miss out on a single update. But before we go, here's a look at everything going on with Tennessee Athletics this upcoming week. Reminder that Swim and Dive is finishing up their week of SEC championships today through Saturday. Then tomorrow, track starts their two days of SEC indoor championships in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Softball competes against LMU at 3.30 and Cal State Fullerton at 6 p.m. on the road. And baseball hosts Albany at 4.30 in Lindsey Nelson Stadium. On Saturday, baseball plays game two in its series against Albany at 2 p.m. at home. Softball plays Oregon State at 5.30 and UCF at 8 p.m. on the road. And men's basketball hosts the Aggies at 8 p.m. in the Food City Center. A big one. Everybody, make sure to come out and support. Same with on Sunday, the Lady Vol basketball team hosts the reigning national champions, the LSU Tigers. Tip-off is at noon in the Food City Center. You guys know what to do. Then at 1 p.m., baseball plays its last game against Albany, while softball plays Hawaii at 2.30 and UCLA at 5 p.m. on the road. Monday Women's Golf starts its two-day Icon Invitational in Houston, Texas, and Men's Tennis hosts the Citadel either at 10 a.m. or 3 p.m. Then baseball hosts High Point University at 4.30 in Lindsey Nelson Stadium. And on Wednesday, men's basketball hosts Auburn at 7 p.m. in the Food City Center. Again, another huge matchup for us to show out to. Well, that's a wrap on Rocky Top. Make sure to tune in next Thursday for another episode of Everything Orange. Bye, y'all.